Good morning. I almost said evening. I am W. Dan, and I am joined here by Doc Holliday. Good evening, all. Good, no, I can say it again. Good evening, all. <laughs> Good morning, it's, it's all. It's evening somewhere. I know. We're used to being here at, in the evening exactly. or night. Um, howdy, all of Mendocino County. We are here to talk animals. Filling in, uh, normally this is mind, body, health, but uh, they are unavailable. Fifth, uh, fifth uh, Tuesday of the month, and so uh, we volunteered to fill in. Doc Holliday graciously said she would come in and talk about pets. Doc Holliday, I should let you know, has far more experience in uh, veterinary business than I have in radio. She's, I was going to find out exactly how long she's been a vet, but she said longer than I've been a DJ, so that's been some time. Uh, she studied at the University of Davis, and she specializes in emergency care of animals, primarily small animals. That would be dogs and cats and a duck every once in a while, and uh, what's the most exotic thing you've ever worked on in an emergency room? Uh, I saw a gorgeous tegu lizard. A tegu lizard? Yeah, they're a really big, fat-tailed lizard. Oh my, and what was wrong with this lizard? I think it was constipated. <laughs> Goodness. Okay. <laughs> so what would you like to talk about today? I thought we could talk about uh, choosing a new puppy or dog, but in particular focusing on uh, puppies. All righty. So uh, what is the first thing that somebody's going to want to do as they prepare, even deciding uh, on a dog or puppy? Well, I think that it's good to decide what you want as far as energy and size and uh, how much grooming does it need. Uh, you know, I've had dogs that do require regular grooming. And, you know, is that something that you are willing to do? You know, the poodles and um, poodle mixes and others that really uh, either need regular brushing or to be clipped on a monthly or you know every other month basis is that something that you're willing and able to do you know learn how to clip or take it to the groomer so that the dog doesn't get terribly matted and especially where there's foxtails you know get foxtails in the mats and um and then energy uh you know, do you want a <clears throat> dog that is go, go, go like a Border Collie, which I adore, as you know, Border Collies and Aussies and uh, McNabs and all those high energy dogs, but they can become destructive and develop uh, behavioral issues if they don't get in enough exercise. And it's not just a leash walk around the, you know, park, it's they need to run. Um, and then size, you know, do you want a, um, a big, big dog like a Great Dane? Um, or do you want a, a little tiny dog that, you know, is potentially easier to take places uh and you know that really does make a difference i think long term if you can kind of decide what your wants and needs are uh you know if you're in an apartment then you know maybe a big dog isn't a great idea unless you have just enough room and there's uh, dogs like greyhounds that actually are pretty mellow i hear i haven't lived with one but hmm. you know there are larger dogs that are mellow but um it is something to consider that seems counterintuitive i've always you know greyhounds are of course the racing uh, dogs and I you know. think that they'd be racing around you but maybe they're just well, they like do they tired. do love yeah they do love to you know put on a good chase i hear but it 
you know, if you live near a dog park where once or twice a day they can have a few laps around the dog park and then the rest of the time, you know, lounge on the sofa, then it, it might be a, a good breed for you. Yeah, and they're also short hair, so they'd be less inclined to get a lot of the foxtails and the... Yes, uh, they're very sleek, very short-haired. Boogers that uh, longer-haired dogs seem to collect, vacuum up off the ground, <laughs> yes. as it were. Yes. <laughs> so so somebody, you know, they do their research. Do you have any good sites that people can go to, or is it just a, a generally looking at different breeds to get an idea of what a dog is going to need and whether that dog is going to fit with what you yeah, have available? I, I don't think that you necessarily have to... Uh, <clears throat> choose a particular breed there's plenty of awesome mutts and uh i've known and loved and you know many a, a fantastic uh, mixed breed over the years um and you can get a general idea of you know the mixed breeds as far as uh their energy and and hair uh coat etc um but if you are determined to get a, a specific breed there's a lot of good books that you can look online that kind of go through the, you know, particular um, uh, differences in, in breed. So they'll they'll help guide you through energy level, um, coat maintenance, um, uses, training, etc., and give you some options of certain breeds. Hmm. And animal shelters around the area are a great place, of course, to to go for a, a new pet, a new forever friend. Um, Absolutely. And the nice thing about animal shelters is that there are going to be some purebreds there. Um, but if they do have mixed breeds, you know, the people working at animal shelters get really good at at least having an idea of how much energy that um, puppy needs and, you know, grooming, etc. So they can have a, a reasonable idea of... Um, how that puppy is going to fit in someone's lifestyle and will they work with you if you're you know if you go and say you know i'm looking for a dog and the you know you give some general guidelines not necessarily a purebred but you're you know i need a dog that doesn't have long hair i need a dog that has a little lower energy maybe i'm looking for an older dog because i don't you know oh. i don't have a lot of energy to to deal with that will will they work with you and can you you know Shelters love people that adopt older dogs because there's so many older dogs that get overlooked because of puppies. Um, so if you said you wanted an older dog, I, I, I'm sure they would be thrilled. But as far as general, I can't speak for every shelter, but so many shelters have people that are, you know, have uh, experience and sometimes even uh, higher training in determining uh, what these puppies are going to be like, and and absolutely those shelters are going to, you know, help guide you in in uh, uh, you know which puppy or dog may be a good match for you. All right, so you've decided that it's a good idea to get a dog that you'd be okay as an owner. What's the next step when you're actually going to go out and start looking? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on one more thing about shelters and rescues, and that. They're really good about uh, taking dogs back. So, I, again, I can't speak for every shelter rescue, but I know so many that if a dog just isn't working out and puppy isn't working out, that they will take them back. And often um, for the life of the dog, you know, they want it to be a good uh, match. So uh, 
that is one consideration that sometimes you can, you know, do a foster trial and see is this um, puppy or dog, you know, really uh, good for your situation. Mm-hmm. So, so um, no shame in taking a dog back. If it's not a good fit, you don't absolutely. need to be embarrassed that you're just it's not your failing it's just doesn't didn't fit right absolutely i mean it's a relationship and you want that relationship to be a good one um you know not just for you but also for the sake of the dog so if it's just not working out you know no no shame and you know i've heard of all sorts of situations you know puppies that the parents got along great with um but they were nippy because they had a herd. They picked a herding breed. Mm-hmm. Um, they were nippy for the uh, the kid running around naked. That's so entertaining, though. <laughs> a six pack of beer, a naked yeah, kid, you, and you, a herding but... dog. Wow, that's I can. But obviously, days the parents didn't want the kid to be hurt, even though the puppy wasn't being aggressive. They were being playful, but it was a toddler, and uh-huh. they couldn't explain to the kid that you need to keep clothes on. So you know. Uh, little tender bits don't get nipped. <laughs> <laughs> so that puppy did get rehomed, and yes, the uh, adults were, you know, very saddened, but they did what's right for the family and the puppy, and uh, uh, so absolutely no shame. I definitely don't want to have, uh, yeah, it would be an awful thing for a, uh, you know, just put up with a dog that nips at a nips like that and say, oh, well, we'll deal with it, we'll deal with it, and not necessarily deal with it. And then that, you know, that dog makes a little bit more Alerted aggressive behavior. plays, yes. draws yep. blood, and right. then it's not right. good. Right. And, and so, good, very good point that, you know, rehoming it earlier before they have learned behaviors that are going to be difficult for other people to deal with um, and untrained uh, is a much better situation than waiting until it's become a disastrous uh, situation. All right. We should probably uh, touch on, so somebody is, you know, they're just dead set on getting the purebred of their dreams. Um, You know, they have very specific. So what do you, what about breeders? Uh, I recommend, you know, doing your research that uh, there are, plenty of people out there that are dedicated to you know helping um the breed continue and have it be healthy and uh but you do need to do your research so uh, i would certainly um ask the breeder lots of questions you know ask them um uh, what dogs do they choose to breed and why um absolutely ask what uh screening test they do you know so every purebred is going to have a set of diseases and problems that um, are more common in that breed than other breeds and it's really good to know you know what those are and then what screening tests are available Um, there's not screening tests for everything but there's a lot of great screening tests out there and um, and there's uh, uh, now more research uh, and their veterinarians are trying to encourage breeders to make a database you know so that you can go through generations to see you know if there's certain problems so definitely do your research ask the breeder what screening test they do um, ask to see the results if you're going to get a puppy from a certain match so for example um, hip dysplasia is 
a really common problem in a lot of large breed dogs. Uh, and there are tests that used to be um, the FA. Um, uh, <clears throat> uh, it used to be that there was uh, some tests um, that were more common, and now the pen hip, I believe, is a very um, popular one because it uh, can be done fairly young uh, in the dogs, and it uh, has a very high um, uh, rate of determining if they're going to have problems. And so you want to make sure that they've had those tests and that they're um, and that they pass them. Um, and uh, there's also eye certification and um, certain um, uh, blood tests that can determine certain genetic uh, markers. So there's there are a lot of uh, different tests uh, out there, and and just you know again do your research. If a breeder is going to be charging several thousand dollars for uh, a puppy, they should have put the uh, time and effort and investment um, into showing that they're, you know, breeding healthy dogs. And of course, there's got to be some governing body that determines and uh, and regulates breeders, right? There are uh, various uh, specific um, uh, breed. Uh, uh, <clears throat> clubs that do have some um, oversight and recommendations. Um, I don't feel that the AKC uh, papers show that much. So I would not rely on just an AKC paper. You know, that just shows that they're registered. It doesn't show that the breeder has, um, to my knowledge at this point, uh, the AKC papers don't show that they've um, done all the specific testing. So gotcha. you still, I would put the onus on you as a, you know, potential um, puppy buyer to really do your research and again quiz the breeder. A good breeder is going to be happy that you're asking lots of questions and they're going to be happy to show that they have, you know, dogs that have passed these. Um, screening tests with flying colors and you know they're going to be proud to show that uh they're really doing um due diligence but uh yeah the the point of my question was that uh as we both know there is no certification process you can just set up and allow animals to breed and call yourself a breeder if somebody says they're a breeder that does not mean that they do any due diligence other than to allow animals to breed why i recommend uh <clears throat> definitely doing your research doing, doing your research and then if you're going to get a puppy um i recommend uh whenever you can of going and seeing the uh, facility too so you get to meet the parents and you get to um you know see how uh, they behave and uh, see that the facility is clean and that the dogs are well taken care of you know, puppy mills are a really big thing, and um, especially with uh, online puppy purchases, uh, you know, they can hide these puppy mills so easily. So there's, I, I'm not going to give specific sites because mm -hmm. I'm sure there's thousands of them, um, but I know plenty of people that have bought a puppy online from some business and there's all these adorable puppy pictures you know and they look all healthy and they're clean and they've had a you know wash and dry and blow out and um and yet you know these are really just fencing uh puppy mill puppies and the parents um live in deplorable conditions and you know might 
live in a small cage the majority of their life and be dirty and not taken care of, you know, and the puppies are taken from these facilities and cleaned up and dewormed and, you know, sent on their way. But you're, you're not doing uh, justice, I think, you know, to... So definitely, definitely do your due diligence, and if you're meeting somebody at a Walmart parking lot or at a Burger King, <laughs> you might King, be doing a drug deal. Not a <laughs> exactly. It's not a drug deal. It's a dog that uh, needs to be healthy. So don't. Uh, you're not buying it out of the back of somebody's pickup truck that just meets you because you want to go and see what kind of facilities they have and meet the parents. So yeah, I I, I have had uh, more than one client do the. Uh, you know, Walmart at night. No, uh, I trust to, this person. <laughs> and and more often than not, there's a lot of problems with that dog. That, <laughs> I can tell you, it gets very expensive down the road as yes. you. Uh, <laughs> all right, so you've uh, you've decided that you're going to get a dog. Hopefully, you're going to go and rescue a dog. There are way too many dogs in the shelter, so I just wanted to cover breeding not as a as a. A promotion. Definitely, I'm not promoting anybody, and I'm sure Doc Holliday is not promoting anybody to do it. Um, that would be a last choice. Um, but first choice is definitely, definitely would be uh, a shelter. Save a dog. But if Absolutely. you're going to get, if you're going to go through a breeder, make sure you do your due diligence and don't support the awful puppy mills. Right. All right. Well, so I, I'm going to back up just one moment because we do live in a very um, you know, a rural county that has uh, lots of uh, livestock and, oh, uh-huh. uh, you know, in specific, you know, herding dogs are very important for many a farmer. Um, and, uh, you know, there are a lot that are specifically bred for that purpose and, uh, and also livestock guard dogs and, you know, mm. just ranch dogs that are bred for their purpose and, uh, Absolutely. I mean, that's a, you know, having a dog that is um, uh, efficient and uh, quick learning and agile and, you know, um, uh, able to do uh, ranch work, you know, I I do think that is a a very legitimate thing to breed for. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, I would recommend having some, you know, screening processes if the dog has joint disease early on i i wouldn't recommend using that as a breeder if the dog has you know aggression problems you know there's still going to be some screening but i I do think we should uh pay homage to the amazing working dogs um in this county all right so somebody has decided on the generally uh, what they're looking for and they're going to their shelter or they're going to get a dog what next so after you've uh chosen your puppy and actually i'm going to back up and say maybe even before you've chosen your puppy since uh unfortunately vet appointments seem to be um uh not readily available that they're weeks out um sometimes months out so maybe even before you get your puppy make an appointment um because I do recommend trying to have that dog evaluated as soon as possible for a number of reasons. Um, So having a vet appointment uh, so that you can uh, go get your new puppy or dog and have it uh, get a really thorough veterinary exam sooner than later so that if there are any things that stand out, you know, those can be addressed. So, uh, you know, even with... um, Oh, I see. So what you're saying is you've picked your dog out, but make an appointment 
you know, with a local vet that you want to have a relationship with, and then you pick up your dog, and then within a week or so, or even that day if you can, take the sooner that, the better. Gotcha. Because okay, right to the vet. That there's a number of things. Uh, one, they can have congenital heart. Um, problems uh so heart murmurs they can have uh umbilical hernias you know cleft palates a number of things that we're gonna um evaluate for so that especially if you brought from a breeder but even if you got it from a shelter um you know that can be discussed is this the dog for you are you willing to uh you know have them further evaluated for this problem you know know that some of these uh congenital or born with problems um, can shorten their lifespan or require medications or if they have a really large umbilical hernia um, uh, require additional surgery you know so having that discussion early on is a good thing and the other thing I recommend is bringing in uh, a fresh poop sample Uh so the reason is, is that the uh, the medical term for it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> a fecal. Have well, a fecal done. Yes, a fecal sample for a fecal analysis as soon as possible because a lot of these puppies, and uh, whether they're from a shelter or breeder, um, can have fecal parasites. And the sooner we uh, discover what they have, we can treat appropriately and help prevent environmental contamination. So if you find out weeks later that they've had Gerardia or Coccidia, you know, or um, roundworms or, uh, uh, you know, whipworms or something that we don't see as commonly uh, in this area, you know, you could potentially have um, environmental contamination uh, and then it can become harder to treat. Um, The other thing is the longer they have these parasites, uh, the higher chance they have of becoming um, seriously ill uh, and that increases the cost. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can get a fecal sample or poop sample <laughs> that's fresh, you know, hasn't been heated or frozen um, uh, readily within ideally just a few days of getting that new um, puppy or dog. And uh, when you take that sample, can you use one of those you know bags that you invert over your hand? Just pick it up. And sure. Wrap yeah, as it long up as it's take clean. it in. Okay. So as long as it's a yeah clean container and and you could also go to your vet ahead of time and they have special containers to uh uh-huh. yes uh, to poop scoop pods. the poop gotcha. <laughs> uh, in and uh, take that in and get them uh, get it analyzed so that again uh, if your puppy or dog does have uh, gastrointestinal parasites that we can get those addressed sooner than later and another thing that uh, another reason to do it sooner than later is that some of these parasites can be zoonotic, which means they can uh, affect humans um, and kids, especially since they're not as good about uh, washing their hands before they eat. Um, so, uh, one more reason to get get those GI parasites gone as soon as possible. Okay, so you've taken, you've gotten your new friend, and you've taken them into the vet, and the the dog is all healthy and happy because we can't predict what other would happen you know you'll deal with that when the vet lets you know but you've got a clean bill of health so what happens you bring that puppy home maybe uh, no 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 oh, all right <laughs> no 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 uh so uh don't forget about vaccines uh-huh. and there are uh what we call core vaccines uh 
distemper parvo vaccine, uh, especially important because there are uh, infections in wildlife that can um, be transmitted to uh, puppies and dogs. And then things like parvovirus um, is very environmentally resistant. So COVID, uh, thank goodness, is not environmentally resistant and that, you know, fortunately, it does take fairly direct spread to spread from humans. Um, but uh, for parvovirus in dogs, it can live in the soil for potentially up to years. Mm. Um, so you do want to get them vaccinated. Uh, and uh, the AVMA, or American Veterinary Medical Association, recommends um, several vaccines uh, until they're at least 16 weeks um, or older. There are some breeds, uh, historically Rottweilers and a few other breeds have uh, had more problems with parvo than other breeds. So some vets will recommend going into even 18 weeks or 20 weeks. I generally recommend vaccinating at 12 weeks, 16, oh, sorry, uh, 8 weeks, 12 weeks, and 16 weeks. Uh, and then we also have the rabies vaccine, um, and that can be given at 14 weeks or older. And I, uh, one, it's uh, required by law, but two, it's a darn good idea because, again, uh, rabies is something that is in um uh, California, you know, fortunately it's not common, but we do uh, see uh, the occasional uh, animal that ends up being rabies positive. Those are almost always animals that are not, you know, vaccinated. So, uh, and then leptospirosis is uh, endemic in the area and uh, is becoming more and more uh, a vaccine that's thought to be a core vaccine because, again, that is something that can affect people. Um, and that's a bacteria that's uh, transmitted um, through the urine of wildlife. And there's multiple species of wildlife that can carry it. And there's uh, different serovars or kind of types of um, leptospirosis that can uh, be uh, or can infect uh, your puppy. So, that's a recommendation, and then there's upper respiratory ones like uh, <clears throat> kennel cough or Bordetella vaccine and the canine flu. So for dogs that are going to be very social butterflies, that's uh, recommended. And then there's others uh, as well that your veterinarian um, can discuss. So vaccines are very, very important. Uh, again, uh, if you... <clears throat> You know, get them set on the uh, right vaccine schedule, then you can, you know, help avoid the heartaches of things like parvo and distemper virus and lepto and other. So now that it's you all, have your it's puppy, it's all in the preparation. Okay, so we've <laughs> got this. Home. We've got this puppy all, puppy all, you know, vaxxed <clears throat> up, and we've had its poop tested and had it looked over, and it's ready. When do we get to play with this thing? <laughs> well, from the beginning, of <laughs> oh, course. All right. <laughs> So I, I, that would lead us into things like um, uh, crate training. Uh, Are we talking socialism now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, socialization, excuse me. <laughs> socialization. <clears throat> no, more training. So gotcha. crate training can be a great thing. I used to think it was so horrible sticking your dog in a you know, box. And, so and, what is crate training, just for the uninitiated? Yeah. So it's getting them used to their own kind of bed or... Uh, you know, little mini bedroom area, and that's their safe 
um, place. So you don't want to leave them in a crate for too long, and you don't want to, um, you know, leave them where it's obviously too cold or too hot. What is what is too long? Well, it depends upon uh, the age. So, you know, how <clears throat> how long can they hold their pee? Mm. You know, so for a puppy, it might just be in an hour or two during the day because they drink a lot and pee a lot and Mm -hmm. um, pee often Um, for a larger dog it could be you know several hours and uh, and a really well-trained dog you know if they had to you know maybe four to five hours at a uh, spread uh, during the day and certainly up to eight hours at night Um, again depending upon if they have any other issues that might make them uh, drink more, pee more, pee, pee more often. So, do you put them in there to? You just just put them in there to for a timeout. Put them in there for punishment. Put them, what do you put them in there for? Other you, than well, as I already touched upon, it's a safe space. So, mm-hmm. um, you put them in there so that they can learn. Uh, that that's their safe space. So often feeding them in there, um, giving them toys. You definitely don't want to, you know, do a punishment, but you want to make it a safe um, space for them to feel uh, that they can go to at any point. You know, if there's visitors that stressing them out, or if there's another dog that's stressing them out. Um, for travel, it's great to have your um, puppy and dog. Uh, crate train so that they are used to um, it for uh, traveling, especially if you're going to go on airlines or, or you know, you want to keep them. a fire. Yeah, fleeing a fire, absolutely. And then also when you take them to the vet, know that it does help if they're crate trained, they're going to feel more comfortable um, in a kennel at the vet than they would be if they're not crate trained. So it, it really helps make them, uh, yeah, just more adaptable. When I so when I when I got Nugget the Wonder Dog, um, I took an old sweaty T-shirt that I had that I hadn't washed Ew. and threw, <laughs> threw it in with some bedding in there, and I crate trained her in there. Yeah. Um, and that is that a good way for her to identify me as the good guy, her safe space. Her safe space. Uh, I I think that I think that having the scent of their human. Um, in with them can be beneficial after they've learned who their human is. So you gotcha. need to give them some time. All right. Uh, so then, as far as um, socialization, which you brought up, you know, we want uh, safe socialization. So we do want them to get used to other people and dogs and cats and spaces. But again, until they're fully vaccinated, you have to be careful about taking them to um, public places. So until they've had their vaccine and remember that. You know, their last, uh, potentially last part of a vaccine around 16 weeks of age is an instant. It does take a week or two for them to really, you know, get further immunity. You do want to be careful about taking them places like dog parks or uh, common places so that they're not uh, hopefully getting exposed to those diseases before they're fully immunized, you know, sure. before their immune system has mounted a a really effective uh, response because the first vaccine at eight weeks is not enough and even 12 weeks you know that's still there's some uh, potential that they can get parvo so 18 18 to 20 weeks would be a safe window for after all those vaccines and they've yeah but you still want them socialized so uh if you can carry them to places so that they don't have to go on the ground that can help social um, socialize them if you can take them to friends and um, relatives house that have not had a parvo puppy for several years at least you know again you know parvo can live in the soil so if you take them to a friend's house that had a parvo puppy 
last year, there is a chance that they could come down with parvo. Off of the carpet or off of the, if they were in, indoors? Uh, is indoors is a possibility if it was really contaminated. Um, and you're a slob and don't clean. <laughs> and you don't deep clean the, yes, the parvo poop. <laughs> Gross, but um, yeah. it, it is a possibility. So I, I would... Uh, definitely question and make sure that they haven't had you know a, a sick puppy especially a parvo puppy in the past few years so that you know again uh, you're playing it safe so you do want them to be around you know cats and other dogs making sure the dog's not puppy aggressive or you know not going to hurt them being careful about food left out because dogs can be protective about it um uh, and, you know, have them see and hear and uh, experience uh, as much as you can, because I do feel like the period between eight weeks and 16 um, weeks is kind of like a kindergarten period. You know, mm. they've shown in, uh, in kids that's good for them to have that kindergarten experience for, you know, not necessarily learning their ABCs and their numbers, but um, for uh, interacting with other um, kids. Um and then uh, I should say another thing that's really good is uh, to get them used to having their ears looked at and um, touched. And I touch in between their um, paws and, you know, check for foxtails and lift up their tail and lift up their lips and just get them used to being examined mm -hmm. so that, uh, one, it encourages you to look at things and you can find things um, that are wrong sooner um, and it also gets them used to being touched by uh, their veterinarian so they're not as apprehensive um, and I'll do it when they're sleepy at first and then I warm up to when they're not as sleepy um, and you can give them little uh, rewards you know if you're going to feed them you can um, do a, a physical exam and then give them uh, bits of food so that they get used to it but it it really helps for them to be used to being, you know, touched all over and gently rolled over on their back to check their belly to make sure that there's no, you know, uh, problems in armpits and uh, belly and looking for ticks. Oh yes, ticks. Yes. Well, um, so there's a lot of uh, benefits to that. Um, and then uh, toys, you know, always a good thing, but I was going to touch quickly. I would recommend that they're safe and, you know, be careful. You don't want to give um, uh, a dog, you know, too small of a ball or a chew toy so that they potentially can get them stuck in the back of their throat. Um, you want to be careful, again, about aggression with other dogs. You know, if you're giving them something that is a uh, high reward, that uh, make sure that, you know, again, the puppy doesn't steal a bone or something from a big dog and get bitten. So you might need to put them in their crate and let them chew it, uh -huh. and, um, you know, and monitor them and uh, let them get uh, some good chew time and toy time. But be safe that if they're gut, uh, gutting the toy, you know, that they're not eating it and potentially getting uh, what we call a GI foreign body. Gutting the toy. You mean tearing it apart? Tearing it apart, gotcha. yeah. And eating the innards uh, so that they don't get a GI foreign body, mm -hmm. um, which can cause an obstruction, which can require surgery to fix. Um, can cause a heart attack when you get the bill. <laughs> yes. And then uh, I would discuss with your veterinarian about um, spaying and neutering, you know, the potential um, benefits and when. Uh, I like to wait until they're fully vaccinated and there's... Um, uh, some reasons for some dogs especially larger dogs to potentially wait until they're more mature um exercise obviously all 
puppies need exercise. Uh, be careful if you have, um, uh, especially large and uh, giant breeds, you know, that you're not over-exercising. You don't want to take a six-month-old puppy on a run on hard concrete because it can potentially damage their joints. You do want to wait till their joints are fully mature and... Um, uh, and uh, <clears throat> And how old is a dog when it's fully mature? Usually about a year. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah, there's some uh, larger breeds that are considered a little slower to mature, but I, you know, you want them to exercise, but you don't want to over-exercise them. You know, if the puppy's tired, let them rest. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to encourage to keep them running because that can potentially do damage to their their joints and and muscles. Uh, and then. Uh, I will bring up insurance. I would definitely look into it. Um, I've had plenty of owner uh, benefit greatly from insurance, and uh, I can't give you a specific um, insurance company. You know, you have to ask questions, and I think this is where friends and social media, you know, are great. Ask around, like, you know, which company have you had uh, good experiences with and that, you know, pay for uh to cover uh, certainly emergency visits, and some will even cover wellness. Um, kind of touching back to the parasites, I had a client years ago that got a puppy from someone who got a puppy from a backyard breeder, and uh, the second owners brought in and immediately they had it vaccinated, they had a, a fecal analysis done, um, and the vet had recommended getting insurance. They got it that day. And then a few days later, the um, puppy broke out with parvo, as well as had like four different fecal parasites, which oh didn't help. And uh, because they had gotten insurance right away, um, it covered their several-day uh, expensive vet visit to treat the parvo and the uh, multiple intestinal parasites. And they were able to save this puppy that was a very sweet puppy. Um, and they were thrilled, and it worked out great because they did, uh, again, pursue a, a veterinary exam right away. They got it vaccinated. They got it um dewormed and at the time of exam it looked healthy you know so they were able to get insurance and then a few days later Hmm. uh, and also something to consider when you're back at the beginning when you're thinking about what kind of dog to get and do your investigations because some breeds are more prone to needing medical attention in the long term than other dogs so um that that might inform your decision not only about what dog to get but about what uh what insurance that you might need absolutely Uh, and there's definitely breeds that uh tend to have a lot of problems expensive problems and and fairly early on and and unfortunately i i have to say one of those would be uh french bulldogs i if you're going to get a french bulldog i absolutely recommend insurance because they're so prone to uh debilitating problems like intervertebral disc disease you know being uh unable to walk um or even uh, potentially hind end paralyzed because of uh, disc problems and breathing problems, etc. So, yes, there's definitely breeds that, unless you're fairly wealthy uh, and can cover those costs, you know, without any emotion or turmoil, uh, I would absolutely recommend getting insurance. Getting a dog is not a spur of the moment thing. I I got a. 
I, I lucked out. Somebody, there was a dog that was abandoned in, in, in the Anderson Valley, and a friend said, uh, hey, you interested in getting a dog? And I was, and I just went and got Nugget, and seemed like a fun dog. She was already a year old and was fairly well socialized and, and such. But even then, when I took her, I took her to the vet uh, fairly quickly, and, yeah, there were uh, vaccinations and... Uh, all sorts of things. Flea medications, flea heartworm medications, heartworm yeah. testing. Yes. Not to mention, uh, yeah, you know, there's a lot of ongoing maintenance with a perfectly healthy dog. And uh, if you're not lucky enough to have a perfectly healthy dog, which is pretty rare in the long term anyway, you're going to be dealing with uh, with uh, costs for a dog. And, you know, then there are accidents and yes. things like that. So it might be good to have uh, just an emergency fund for that day when you got to rush in and see somebody like... Uh, Doc Holiday here at the emergency room, which can be expensive. Um, then she does work with people and do, does her best. She's not looking to charge any more than necessary, but it can get expensive, and you sometimes have to make difficult decisions about what you can afford and what you uh, are willing to afford. So, unfortunately, well, yes. But I, I think the old uh, adage: uh, "Ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure." Yeah, is, sounds is definitely like accurate. It. Well, is it okay if we open up the phone lines and let Absolutely. people uh, call in with their questions? If you'd like to call in uh, about the topic of uh, how to pick a dog or questions you have about dogs in general, uh, you can give us a call at 707-895-2448. And Doc Holiday will do her best. She can't answer specific questions. You know, oh, my dog is limping and uh, seems to have lost its appetite. She's going to just probably tell you to get to your vet. Um, but uh, she might be able to give you some recommendations on questions to ask your vet. And here we go with the first call. Hello, caller. What's your name? I'm Hildy. Hi, Hildy. What what question do you uh, have for the doc? Well, I I wanted to ask. There's well, I have a, a new puppy. I mean, she's adopted, 11 months old, but um, not really a puppy, I guess. But looking for food, different kinds of food. And what does she think of the grain-free food that has? some legumes in it <laughs> I, I think you might be a plant because i realize that even talk about diet there's just so much to talk about uh with new dogs I know. so the grain-free food is a hard one um <clears throat> they have found and by they i mean uh veterinary cardiologist um when a dog comes in for heart problems they almost always ask about diet um and I think that should be an important question in, in any um, vet visit, you know, what diet they're on. Uh, so in the past few years, it's been found that grain-free foods have been correlated to a higher incidence of cardiomyopathy, meaning heart uh, muscle conditions. So it is not currently recommended in general to feed a grain-free diet um, by veterinarians. Uh, uh, and there's... I'm not going to go into depth on that, but uh, I believe Cornell University has some good information. But if you, you know, type in grain-free diet, you know, veterinary, there's going to be uh, a lot of um, uh, veterinary institutions that are going to discuss, you know, the potential concerns. Um, 
I do think that there's some benefit to um, feeding uh, diets that have not only had the basic AFCO standards, which is um, basic nutrients, you know, basic protein, fat, carbohydrates, um, but also have had feeding trials because then it shows that that uh, food has sustained a dog and um, kept a, a puppy or dog healthy for an extended period of time because AFCO standards do have some downsides that they're not looking at the quality of protein, just the, um, the minimum um, protein content. Uh, and then I personally believe that there's some benefit to changing foods around so you're not doing just the same protein um, day in, day out, that um, you're having a, a variety of proteins um, uh, and getting the dog uh, used to having, uh, you know, different diets. There's Others that believe, you know, pick a high-quality um, diet and stick with it um, for life. But, yeah, if you're going to do grain-free, I would definitely do your research uh, because there's there are concerns about uh, cardiomyopathy in breeds that don't normally um, have heart disease. And there's definitely younger dogs that can be affected severely by uh, yeah. Cardio, yeah, cardiomyopathy. Believe me, I've been reading so much, I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah. I, you know, there's the, there's the raw food, there's the freeze-dried food, there's the, yep. you know, kibble, you know, uh, there, I, I don't know. So, <laughs> it's, again, it's a good talk with your vet. I'm not against raw food uh, overall, but... Every um, choice that you make has potential risk and benefits, and uh, there's nothing that is, you know, risk-free. Um, so I would talk to your vet, uh, and if you're, you know, determined to feed raw, then I would um, specifically seek out a veterinarian that is uh, familiar with, you know, raw feeding, um, because a lot of vets don't like it because of the potential of um, bacterial cont cont contamination and uh uh, specifically E. coli and salmonella, um, but there well, have... I buy it. I buy it frozen raw. You know, yeah, it's still unfortunate. It, it's supposed to be careful. It does decrease the um, uh, chances. It doesn't eliminate it. Um, so again, if you're going to feed oh. raw, I would go to a a, a, vet, a trained veterinarian that you know is knowledgeable in that, so that they can tell you you know how. Um, they do it as safe as possible. So you want to, you know, clean bowls and you want to clean sites and you want to be careful if you had an immunocompromised um, human in the house uh, or, you know, someone visiting mm -hmm. that they, you know, aren't going to be, you know, potentially subject to ex being exposed to E. coli and salmonella. But that being said, there's also been outbreaks in uh, of E. coli in um, processed, you know, cooked kibble. So everything has its risks and benefits. Um, but I, I I would, yeah, talk to your dog's veterinarian and, and discuss okay. you know, what your wants and, and needs are and, and uh, have a, a risk-benefit talk. Do you think dogs like raw food? I mean, that's what they say that's what they had in the wild, but do you think that's kind of... Yes, far, I, far? I, I think a lot of dogs like it. Um, it may not always be what's best, and there's definitely um, certain breeds mm. that you know shouldn't have bones because a, a lot of the smush-faced um, breeds have a problem with getting things stuck in the back of their throat because it's pretty... It's narrow pretty, back there. Yeah, narrow and, and well, confined. So you well, do. Well, this is all ground up. It's all everything's ground up. Yeah. Very, you know. I'm just bringing. I'm, I'm bringing up a you know potential hazards. All right, we've yeah. got it. Right, you're, you're, 
You're right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. You're yeah, very you're welcome. welcome. Moving on to another call here. Hello, caller. You're on the air. What's your name? Oh, good morning. My name is Lee. Hi, Lee. And hi. Um, I live in Fort Bragg. I'm a dog trainer and dog sitter. Wonderful. And I have a comment and a question. Yes, please. Or a, or a, a statement. I'm a dog sitter with an online uh, company. I don't know if I should say their name or not. And I've been doing this for nine years. It's a wonderful way to make some side money. And I just want to let people out there know that we need more local uh, dog sitters with this company because they're really great. And um, I get to, it's like a gig work. People mm-hmm. bring you their dogs to you, and you take care of them as though they were your own dogs. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, for the nine years I've been doing it, uh, like I would say 99.5% of the dogs have been just great. Occasionally I get a dog, I go, oops, I shouldn't have accepted this one. Anyway, if there were more uh, of these online dog sitters, this group that I belong to uh, in the area... Um, I would not feel so bad about turning down as many as I have to because I can't take every dog that, that yes. asks to stay with me. If you want to My go ahead, question, and you can say their name real quick and then with your okay. question. That would be rover.com. And right. if you just search rover.com or dog sitting, pick a city, they're everywhere. It's like Airbnb for dogs. Gotcha. Yeah, I think my point... Uh, more towards this discussion would be that yes that they're well vaccinated that they're you know have oh, absolutely treatment for There's parasites all- so that they're not spreading that and then very importantly is that you have a discussion with the owners you know what um, is to be treated and for how much because i have pet sitters bring patients in and uh there's a big difference in what the owner wanted to do and what the pet sitter said was okay. So I recommend that you have a talk about, you know, if it's a poodle and it has a um, GDV, which is a, a uh, where the stomach uh, blows up with gas and right. tours, that's an expensive emergency surgery, but it's an absolute emergency surgery. So having a discussion, you know, what, that's what the, should be spent um, what, and how the much? The beauty and, of Rover.com is that right. um, all the hosts are background checked. The, all right. the owners yeah. have to fill out that kind of like, are you vaccinated, neutered, crate yeah. trained? That's, so that's I get good. all that information. And um, they provide emergency medical insurance with, you know, a, a yeah. deductible. But Those are good. Like well, we can get the into the details. They can yeah. go on to the site for details. So, and and you have my a question, question let, we could just move on. I yeah. just yeah. wanted to say that if people are interested in making a little money and being involved with dogs and can pass a background check, then um, try Rover.com. And my question is, can you talk about adopting and uh, special behavior issues with puppies that were taken away from their mother before eight weeks of age. Yeah. Right, so we'll yeah. That. So one, I, Thanks, I definitely okay, don't I'm recommend. Hang up. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I I don't recommend weeding puppies before eight weeks of age because again, it's that going back to the kindergarten period. It's it's important for puppies to be with other puppies and and have their uh, mother, you know, teach them some basic manners, so to speak. So I am a big proponent um, of not doing it before eight weeks. And there's some legal issues, too. Um, 
I'm not going to get into, but uh, uh, so leaving them with their moms. But if they have been taken um, away too early, then, uh, you know, trying to get a foster uh, parent um, that can put them with other puppies that are, you know, near their age or um, a dog that's a really good auntie or uncle, meaning super gentle um, and careful with the puppy, but also, you know, teaching them some basic manners um, so that uh, they do grow up with being a just a better canine citizen. Um, if they're having significant behavioral problems, you know, aggression or um, fear, etc., then I would work with a trained behaviorist. Um, and uh, the sooner the better so that, you know, you can help them overcome their issues and prevent them from becoming a, a really difficult dog and Problem potentially dog. dangerous. Yeah. All right. Moving right along. Hello. Call. Oh, you hung up. Don't hang up. Hello, caller. You're on the air. What's your name? Hi, I'm Shelly. Hi, Shelly. Hi. Do you have a question for the doctor? Yes, I do. I live on a ranch and a few years back I captured a feral cat, had her fixed, and checked. Thank you. She still lives on my ranch, and I take care of her. She's very, very feral, always will stay that way, but yes. we have a good relationship. I am wondering, do I need to try to figure out a way to deworm this cat? That's a good question. So um, if she's a, a hunter, then there is a, a fairly good chance that she could be getting um, tapeworms um, transmitted uh, through the uh, prey that she's getting. Um, so you certainly could try to um, get her uh, some praziquantel, which is the, the drug name for um, uh a dewormer for tapeworms and, you know, put it in her food um, per her weight. Uh, obviously, you don't want to try to catch her because you don't want to get bitten by a, a feral cat. Um, you know, if she got to the point where she looked unhealthy, you can discuss with your veterinarian about, you know, how to safely trap her in a trap so that you do not get bitten because you do not want to get bitten. Um, and then get her in for, you know, vaccines and, you know, further deworming, etc. But, you um, it, it wouldn't hurt to give her the occasional uh, dewormer for tapeworms. Okay, Round thank you. Is this going to be easy for me to disguise? Maybe. It depends upon the cat. So you certainly could try putting it in some pill pockets or, you know, uh, you know in with um, wet food and seeing if she eats it all. Some cats will, some cats won't. Um, but since pillings, pilling her is not an option, then that's the best you got. Okay, I'm going to try that. I don't want to capture her again. She'll just be so totally feral that she won't trust anybody to yeah. assist her in life. But she's well, a great we, hunter. I want her to stay. I yeah. want her to be happy yep. and healthy. Yep, and I greatly appreciate that you did um, trap her and get her spayed, though. That's an awesome thing. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. All right, I do need to read this real quick. Uh, this just came in. We are expecting to hear from President Biden sometime around 11.45 today. The president is expected to address the end of the Afghanistan war and the largest evacuation in U.S. history. Stay tuned to KZYX for Loose Cannon Classics coming up at 10, and we'll go live to the president when he begins the address approximately at 11.45. So thank you. Wanted to get that in. We're coming to the end of the show. Hello, caller. If you got a quick question, that would be great. Hello. Hello. Do you hear me? You got to turn off your radio. Uh, 
Oh, I thought I did. Um, there it is. Quick, quick, um, quick question. Go ahead. Quick question. Cats are apparently obligate um, carnivores. What was the diet of the original dogs, uh, presumably wolves? What percent, you know, meat, what percent, whatever else? I don't have percentages for you, but my understanding is that wild dogs became domesticated by eating, you know, what food was yeah, left around, uh, we'll say campsite, but, a, a, you know, community, and that they're... Uh, was found to be obviously a benefit for the dog that there was food provided and that some benefit from uh, the people that I imagine that the dog was uh, able to bark at intruders and, you know, keep other predators away. Uh, so I don't have percentages for you. And it, it, I'm sure it greatly varied depending upon what meat and or veggies and or grains were, uh, uh, you know, left out for the dog. All right. We're coming up to the end of it. Real quick, I wanted to have you talk a little bit about leashes, specifically the retractable leashes. We were watching some videos of people being jerked off of their porch by dogs on retractable leash. What do you have to say about retractable leashes? They're very popular. The general feeling for veterinarians is that they're dangerous. I think both to the owner because the dog can get far away uh, fast enough to come up with some force to pull owners uh, over and you know potentially get very hurt you know broken legs broken arms etc the other thing that i am concerned about is uh, when the dog runs and then hits the end of the leash is it doing damage to its neck and i feel that it is and if they're doing it again and again you know is that dog going to have painful neck problems in the future um, even disc disease um, etc from constantly hitting the end of the leash uh, and then i also think it's dangerous um, that that those dogs, you know, a little dog could potentially run up to a big dog and get bitten, or a big dog could run to a little dog um, and uh, hurt them, uh, run into traffic. So the and finally, I I feel that it untrains them leash manners. So if you have them, you know, kind of coming and going as they please on a leash, that they don't learn true leash manners, which can be very important. All righty, just wanted to get that in. Thank you very much, Doc Holiday. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willitson Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.